So our epistle this morning comes from the second chapter of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Starts at verse 11. Paul writes, So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. You know, it occurs to me as I'm reading this that... As scripture says, there really is nothing new under the sun, is there? The same problems that we experience today, back in Paul's day in the church in Ephesus, there was this issue of division between the Jewish Christians who were there and the Gentile Christians who were there. There was this division between the two. Division, it seems, is is this timeless issue with, with humanity that we have to deal with, we had to deal with it ever since Adam and Eve in, in the garden. And the thing about it is, you only have to look around today to see the evidence that division is alive and well. You've seen it. You can't help but miss it. We're a divided people. We're a divided country, a divided community, even if you look at the whole of the church, even the Methodist church, we're a divided church. And we create these labels that divide us, don't we? You've heard the labels, black, white, Hispanic, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, rich, poor, haves, have-nots, gay, straight, transgender, even within the church, Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Pentecostal, all these labels, just a myriad of labels that we use to separate people into these categories. 
And why do we do that? We do that so that we can decide who we are and who they are. And do we like those people or do we hate those people? Division is not a thing of the past. It's alive and well in our time and in our place, isn't it? Paul uses this opportunity in this letter to the church at Ephesus to remind the church at Ephesus and also the church at Countryside that division within the church is contrary to the peace of Christ. Division within the church is anti-peace and therefore anti-Christ. See, he's telling us don't take any of this grace and redemption stuff for granted. Because it was only yesterday that you were outsiders to God's ways, had no idea of any of that stuff, didn't know the first thing about the way that God works, hadn't the faintest idea of who Christ was. We all were out there somewhere at some point in our lives, weren't we? You didn't know anything about this rich history of God's covenants and promises to Israel. Didn't have a clue about what God was doing out in the world. But now, because of Christ, his death and resurrection, his shedding of his blood, all of us who were once out of it are now in on it. That's what the blood of Christ does for us. It, it makes things up between us. Makes things good between us. Give, gives us unity. Whether you were a Gentile or a Jew, whether you were an unbeliever or a believer, Jesus made all things good again. He tore down the wall. He tore down the wall that used to keep us at a distance from those who weren't like us. I have an issue with walls being put up in the church. I don't mean the structure of the building. I mean walls between people in the church because Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. He paid the ultimate price. And the cross should be the thing that gets us to embrace those that are different from us. Right? He came to us and he preached peace. And it didn't matter to him whether you were an insider or an outsider. He treated everybody as an equal. And so by doing that, he made us all equals. And because of him, we share the same spirit that dwells in us. And we have equal access to God the Father because of what Jesus did for us. Do we remember that? Or, or do we fall back on the us and them mentality?
See, through Jesus, we're no longer outsiders, whoever we are, wherever we started. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer outsiders. We belong here. We have as much right to the name Christian as anyone else. Doesn't matter if you've been a believer all your life or you just came into the the family of God yesterday. It, It makes no difference to Jesus. We're all insiders with him. So the answer to this issue of division is what? Well, it's unity in Christ, isn't it? And not just unity for unity's sake, but a specific kind of unity, unity in Christ. It's it's not a unity achieved by tolerance and going along just to get along. That kind of manufactured unity is just a disaster waiting to happen. That's a, that's a recipe for compromising biblical truth, and we never want to do that. We never want to go along just to get along if it means compromising biblical truth. We don't want to do that just so that we don't make waves. We don't want to say this is okay when it's really not okay. It's not a unity of tolerance. It's a unity of righteousness that puts Christ at the center and at the head. We have to be very careful when we say we want to be a united church that we don't say we want to be united at all costs no matter what the compromise is. And this is the issue that's facing the Methodist church today is that there are ways to unite the church and compromise in biblical truth is never the way. And so we have to be very careful as a church what we agree to and what we say is not okay. If it violates God's law, if it violates the, the scriptures, then we should never agree to that. Am I, am I clear? Unity just for the sake of unity is not really unity at all. Unity has to be Christ-centered. It's the solution to the division problem, but it's not a compromise it's not, it's not tolerating sin. It's a little bit disjointed, I think. This whole thought process, because we have this desire as Christians to love. But we have this misinterpretation of love where we think that the person that we love has to feel okay about it. And sometimes that's just not love. You've heard of tough love, right? Sometimes the person who's the recipient of your love doesn't like it all that much. If you've ever been a parent, ever been a school teacher, you've, you've disciplined 
before, right? Why? Because you care, because you love, because you don't want them to continue in a path of unrighteousness, of, of bad behavior. And so you speak the truth and you, and you do it in love, but you don't tolerate the bad behavior, do you? And that's why Christ is the solution to the division problem. Because even though Jesus came to give us peace and unity, he also was fully aware that he came to divide. His presence would divide. What's the dividing line? Well, it's righteousness versus unrighteousness, isn't it? Ephesians 4 talks about unity. I, I can't talk about Ephesians 2 without talking about the very definition of unity in the body of Christ. And it's in Ephesians 4. Let me read it to you. It's very short, but it's very pointed. It says, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That was our last Bible study question. How do you know that you have been called? How do you know that, that your calling is God's calling for you? It says, lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. See, the unity in the church, the unity in the world has to be centered around the unity that is created in Christ. So the solution to the division problem, whether it's in the church or it's in the world, whether it's Republicans versus Democrats or, or uh, liberals versus conservatives, whatever the, the wall that divides us. The unity can only be accomplished through Jesus Christ. So Paul's message in Ephesians 2 is not just for the church in Ephesus. It's for the church at Countryside also. It's time to put aside the things that divide us, is what Paul is saying. Whatever those things are. If you and your neighbor don't get along because you have political discussions on Facebook, stop having those discussions on Facebook. If you and your neighbor don't get along because you can't decide on whose side of the property line the fence should be built, don't build the fence. 
it's time to put aside the things that divide us. Why? Because Paul says we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. In other words, as members of the body of Christ, we all have a, a specific function. We all have a calling. We all have a, a, a responsibility, and that centers around Jesus as the center. Unity within the church is something that weighs heavy on my heart as I see the discussions that are going on within the Texas Annual Conference. I don't know if you're aware of it, but there's a very large African-American church, Windsor Village, that is considering pulling out of the conference because of issues and divisions that their governing body has with some of the things that are being decided within the conference and within the larger Methodist church in the world, and most of it centers around this issue of human sexuality. We tend to draw lines in the sand and, and say, I'm willing to step over this line, but this line, I'm not willing to step over. We do that a lot in our everyday life. We say, you know, we, we're willing to do this as a compromise, but we're not willing to do that. Whatever those things are for you may differ. And the bishop, I think, has very correctly stated that however we go forward, we should go forward with Christ as our head and with Christ in the center. And so as you go into your week, and I'm wrapping this up, I'm struggling to find the words to give you a sense of challenge and also a sense of encouragement. And as you can tell through this entire message, I have struggled because this has weighed so heavily on me this week. I would like nothing more for us to come out the other side of this issue that divides our church as a whole united Methodist church. I don't know if that will be the case. I don't think anybody does at this point. I don't know how that will trickle down to Splendora, whatever decisions are made. 
I can tell you that with our, within our own body, issues of this type that center around human sexuality have and continue to divide some of us. It's real even here in Splendora. But my hope is that regardless of what goes on with the conference and the rest of the Methodist Church, we will find a way to express the love of Christ one to another and to get over the walls that divide us. It's only possible through the love of Christ. We will never agree 100% on everything. That's just humanity. That's the fallen, broken world in which we live. But our relationships with our people, regardless of what side of the wall they're on, should always be a reflection of the love of Christ. And so, if for any reason you find yourself feeling alienated from your church, whether it's this church or the church at large, I extend the invitation and the olive branch to anyone who feels marginalized or discriminated against for any reason. Come and talk to us. Come and talk to me. And let's see if we can find the common ground of Christ in the midst of all this division. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.